Hello, and welcome back to Bible Plus. Today, we'll be continuing our study of the ministry of John in his second epistle. This has the fewest verses of any book in the Bible, though Third John is actually shorter by word count. At a glance, the significance of this book and the next may escape us. Some might even wonder why they were added to the Bible. Uh, however, even in such a short space, the Spirit, I believe, has much to convey to us. I'd like to focus on two main points, what this letter tells us about John and what this letter tells us about his understanding of truth. What is truth to John? This is a personal letter uh, written to a specific unnamed person, uh, though some scholars believe the Greek word curia, translated lady in the salutation, may just have been her name as it was also a common name at the time. John was an elder in the church as he identifies himself in verse 1. And per church history, this was the church in Ephesus. I think it is useful to spend a little time to consider how John cares for the church in which God has placed him. So he writes this personal letter as a warning about the coming of heretical teachers who are bringing a, a, a false teaching about Christ. He's very practical. This is very important for this woman to understand. But he also includes a greeting from the woman's sister's children. He says that he loves her in truthfulness. He tells her, I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in the truth. It's clear that he cares deeply for this believer personally and the things concerning her. As we have seen in his first epistle, John strongly affirms that our love for God, who is himself love, is borne out in our love for the other believers. This epistle and the next are almost a case study in the practical outworking of John's teaching in his first epistle. Speaking of third John, there is one point I want to touch on here without taking away from the brother we'll share tomorrow. Both books have an almost identical conclusion with the apostle telling his recipient, I have much to say, but I wish to say it face to face. Of course, part of me, the 21st century Christian part of me, wants to know what John had to say. (laughs) I would love to know what the the many things were that he wanted to, to communicate. But although we don't know, we appreciate the heart that Brother John had to visit the believers in person. Now more than ever, we can all appreciate little moments of fellowship, whether we are able to see the, each other in person or not. It drives this point home that John makes. The best way to care for the believers is one-on-one, in person. The second matter I'd like to focus on in this book is truth. So John uses the word truth or truthfulness five times in these 13 verses. And if we consider the larger scope of his ministry, his gospel and his other epistles, it's clear that the truth is central. Now that may seem trite, this is the Bible, of course the truth is central. Consider that how John reveals the Lord and, and the Holy Spirit. In his gospel, he identifies the Spirit in chapters 14 and 16 as the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of reality. His gospel also shows us that the Lord is the reality. Chapter 14, I am the truth. I am the reality. He concludes 1 John with the statement, we might know him, we might know God who is true, and we are in him who is true. It is clear that 
to the Apostle John, truth is more than simply the opposite of false or, or a correct statement. Truth is something that one can walk in. Truthfulness is the way in which one can love. Him who is true is a place where John can reside, where he can remain. He quotes the Lord saying that the spirit of reality will guide us into all the reality. On the one hand, John's writings are all in a time of great heresy, some of which is referenced in this epistle. The specific heretical teaching would be the Greek philosophers coming into the church saying that Jesus was never really a man with a human flesh, a human body. So John writes this epistle to warn this sister about serious heresy, telling her not to greet those or even say to them rejoice, a common way of saying hello at the time. He is absolute about the truth, the facts, the the correct doctrine. This is not just about apologetics. John desires that this believer... And by extension, all of us who are reading it, we would receive the truth, know the truth, and live in the truth. He warns us that if we extend outside of this realm of truth, we risk losing the presence of God. Conversely, in verse 9, he says, staying in this truth gives us both the Father and the Son. Truth, especially in modern Christian thought, can have a very cold, stark connotation And like John, we have to be absolute about the truth. His gospel states plainly that if he wrote it so that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, he writes 2 John so that we would be clear that Jesus is God, come in the flesh. Outside of this is error. But something can be true to us without being real. To John, truth is not only objective fact, but experienced reality. It is not sufficient to be right. We have to be real. To walk in the truth means to walk in the reality of the things we know. This is a crucial point in our Christian experience. Beneath the facts of the Bible is a depth of personal experience. Don't just know the doctrine of walking in the light. Walk in the light. Don't be content with knowing that God hears you. Talk to him. One final point. John also pairs love with truth. He speaks of walking in love and walking in truth in this epistle. Paul also brings out this thought in Ephesians 4, holding to truth in love. Especially in the modern context, it seems that truth and love are at odds. We can either love or we can be people of the truth. This is not the case for John. To him, the one who is true in 1 John 5 is also love in 1 John 4. We love without compromising the truth. We walk in truth, both the fact and the experience. Our our expression is love. Thank you for joining me today in 2 John. Have a great day.